Hello, tech friends, and thank you for tuning in to Emerging Technologies in Business, where we take a deep dive into different technologies that are impacting businesses today and in the very near future. I'm your host, Brock Reiney, and this podcast is brought to you by Kincannon XR. Let's talk tech. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Today, I get the pleasure of speaking with Tipping Point Media's president and chief creative officer, William Garner. Tipping Point designs innovative, interactive virtual experiences that empowers learners, inspires positive change, and strengthens human connections. William, thank you for being on the show, good sir. How is everything going in your neck of the woods? Oh, fantastic. It's Friday, and a pleasure to virtually meet everybody. And Absolutely. thank you very much for bringing us on, Brock. Absolutely. Glad to have you on. Um, the first thing I really wanted to touch on is really kind of your experience. You know, what led you to the position that you're currently in? What made you create Tipping Point Media? How did we get here? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's a pretty interesting story. You know, we've been in business now for uh, over 19 years. And I really, my life started back when a long time ago, I've always been an artist. I've always been a creator. I've always been an innovator and wanting to build things. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Uh, so I originally went to school to be a fine artist and, uh, you know, realized, hey, I'm going to eventually have to feed myself. So right. found, found my way into uh, digital interactive media and just fell in love with it. You know, just really saw the, the long term potential. It was around early 2000s and uh, took my first job. I got a great job at Canon Technology Solutions, was was pretty happy there. And we were doing some really innovative things. It was my first time building an educational experience and it was for kids and it was a cartoon with gamification in it and it was teaching them about uh, banking and fiscal responsibility and I realized that that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Well, uh, about two years being there, I, I think I did I just get bored? Uh, did I just want more? Did I want to, you know, have more uh, risk involved of, of, of pushing the envelope, if you will, and started our own company. That's when we started Tipping Point Media. And uh, it was a great, it was a, it was a real rush. We were one of the innovators for e-learning. We were developing everything in Flash. We were doing a lot for the health, uh, life sciences, um, health industry, if you will, and everything from educating doctors to patients. And uh, that went on for years. And we were doing a lot of e-learning, very cutting edge, state-of-the-art. It was being built in Macromedia Flash, if anybody remembers that. Oh my gosh, uh, yeah. That's a callback. Yeah, yeah, sure is. And what happened is around 2010, 2012, I, I, I stumbled across augmented reality. And I was like, wow, this is this is really cool. This is this is pretty amazing. And it was really in its infancy. And then virtual reality came out in, in 2012. And I just saw the light. The light just went on. This, this is the next evolution of education and uh, brand experiences and so on. Well, we totally pivoted and changed gears and went all in, went all in on that. And uh, we were one of the original investors in the, when Oculus was in the Kickstarter in 2012. Well, we got all these, I got a whole bunch of developers and the team together and designers, and we went all in and just focused on that. Well, you know, as you could imagine, it was extremely innovative and, and a lot of people were afraid of change. And we had a lot of resistance. We had a lot of resistance and we were going to trade shows and, setting it up at these medical conferences. And I had somebody, when we were in this trade show booth, we were the only ones there with VR, only ones with AR. And I had some guy just start laughing, like, you really think you're going to educate surgeons and doctors on video games? This is a toy, you know? So uh, we, we persevered, stuck to my guns, and just pounded through it. 
And uh, now that's how they're doing all of it. You know, it, it, it took a good 10 years, uh, maybe a little less than that. It took, we, we really have been productive with VR and AR uh, for the last 10 years, but it's really starting to take off over the last six. And now we're, we're doing, you know, things for Fortune. We're doing VR, AR, MR, Web AR. We're doing serious games. We're building education, replacing classroom training with uh, serious games. So we're, we're building on Roblox and other tools. And we're doing this for the, the largest Fortune 500 companies and K through 12 STEM programs around the world. Well, that's the, the interesting part about that, too, is that especially in the medical world, with everyone is starting to realize that there's a shortage of everyone in the medical field. And oh, yes, having sir. these tools to be able to gamify it, like you mentioned, it, oh, yeah. it improves how quickly they come to cognition at that point. And oh, we're going to have to continue to utilize these tools if we're going to backfill how many nurses, doctors, physicians that we're going to need long term. I think this is a fantastic model that you guys have built. And it looks like you guys got in really early in the ground floor. So you've already had those stumbling blocks that other people are just now running into. We, we did. And, you know, there were there's there's a lot of things in the design that people don't realize. You just don't go out and hire a, a VR programmer. Uh, it takes a team. I mean, we have instructional designers that understand this is the best way to learn utilizing VR, AR. And that took years for us to, to, to discover. And there were some stumbling blocks and, you know, the user interface, the, the, how, you know, what is the end goal? There's a lot of different brains that are involved in the design of this. And I've seen so many trip ups and we're still seeing it where companies come to us to fix something that was done where it was designed for, let's say, a gamer market, and it's not, that's not your audience. Your audience, like I was saying that we always say here is, if my mom can't use it, nobody can. Like, if, then we'll, we'll beta test, we'll beta test stuff, you know, um, th that way. And it, it really has to, it, it just, it comes down to really great design. And I think uh, if you look at it in the way of how Nintendo utilized the Wii when it first came out, they made it to where anyone could utilize it. And once we get to that level with AR, VR, XR, that's like mm -hmm. you mentioned, like that's the point where it gets the mass adoption. Because as of sure. right now, we've got the people who are more technical than anything else. But once we get to that true, like, hey, my grandma can pick this up and be able to use this with no issue, that's the point where we're really going to start changing the world. Yeah, and once, once, it, once, it, once it becomes as ubiquitous as this phone in my pocket, you know, every year it gets better. I remember we were having to tote around these systems that in these giant hard cases, $6,000 investment. You'd have to get this big lab, a big uh, workstation, eventually became laptops, set up all this stuff. It was very cumbersome and expensive. And now you can get the Oculus Quest 2, and they've got even another one coming out for 300 bucks. Right. And it, it's only going to get smaller. It's only going to get faster. And I'm just completely blown away. But I could say we're really on the tipping point of it becoming ubiquitous to where everybody has one, you know, yeah. just like we do a phone. So, and then we'll get on another way. I mean, we're doing a lot right now with AR. AR is huge because everybody has that hardware right in their pocket, you right. know. So that that was one of the biggest, you know, uh, roadblocks, if you will, where, where the hardware requirements for VR. But we're getting there. Yeah, for sure. And William, I know you mentioned uh, you're definitely an artist, right? But what what really are you passionate about in the world of technology? Is there anything that you tend to just glom onto or just navigate over towards? Yeah, well, you know, well, being an artist, I tend to follow my heart and, and, and go with, you know, uh, my passions, if you will. And 
My biggest passion has always been revolutionizing education, you know, changing the antiquated industrialized format that has been around for hundreds of years, you know, ever since the industrial era. And it was created to educate factory workers. You know, they it wasn't designed to, to have innovator thinkers, metacognitive development, thinking about thinking. They didn't want you to be smart. I'm not saying that's how it all is now. But, I mean, it, there is still a lot of that model in place where it's very didactic. Um, and, and, you know, and from a personal perspective, I always struggled with that. I mean, I wasn't the best student in the classroom that just sits there and can listen to the teacher. Um, it all just sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher to me, like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to teachers. I, I'm a teacher myself, and I think it's one of the hardest jobs on the planet. Uh, and it's a shame because they could they could really help them if many of them had more resources available. Um, you know, and, and what we're trying to do is revolutionize that by turning it into a hands-on learning experience. That's what you can do in VR and MR and AR. It's 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 hitting all those learning styles from the visual, the audio, the, the kinesthetic, and playing to those. And um, we all know you learn best by doing. You, you don't learn best by hearing it or seeing it. You learn best by when all of those are brought together and um, it, it just, it, it, it builds and garners a, a longer retention. And, you know, nobody wants to sit these days. I mean, it's a, it's a different expectation now for learners. Nobody wants to sit and read an 80-page PDF. Nobody wants right. to sit through a long, non-interactive, passive video. You know, people now expect it to be this interactive experience. Uh, you know, imagine like some of the things that we're doing in virtual reality and augmented reality now is we could take you into the human body and bring you down to the cellular level and show you how a mechanism of disease works, how a medicine is curing your body and your organs are reacting to that. That's impossible any other way. I mean, yeah, right. you can do it in video, but you don't have control over it. And, you know, just the numbers we're getting back on that. It's a thing I like to call L-R-O-I, learning return on investment. And, you know, you said earlier in the, in the beginning, they're showing 90% increase in learning retention rates. And, uh, you know, those interactive modalities aren't nice to have anymore. Uh, they're critical because this modern-day learner you know, if they're experiencing a, a, a lesson plan or want to learn more about your brand, it's an expectation now. If you don't have that, people just walk past it. So, yeah. so let me ask you this too: um, Where do you see this technology changing or changing the landscape, really, of the healthcare industry? Yeah, a good question, and thank you. And you know, COVID was 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 a good catalyst for that, and. Uh, from the perspective of that people realized that, you know, virtual learning isn't something you have to do. It, it's something that's actually advantageous to learners. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were still worried and it all comes down to change. People are always, you know, people hate change. We're all guilty of it. It takes courage. It takes courage to be innovative. Um, so COVID forced people to do that and they have forced them into, you know, a lot of it was dealing with Zoom, but we were talking to people about augmented reality and mixed reality because they were doing a lot of these things in person, in, in place, in training centers. But then they realized, wow, you know, that's a huge investment having these big training centers and flying people all over the world. We can just do this in augmented reality. We can do this in virtual reality. 
and mixed reality. So it, it, it brought people to that level to understand that, you know, this is a very reliable, practical tool. Um, you know, you can track it, you can measure it, and it's saving money. I mean, that's one of the big deterrents people think is, oh, VR is really expensive. But when you crunch the numbers against the way uh, the, you were, you're the antiquated way they were doing it of flying people all over the place to these training centers, it's a fraction of the cost. So we've been seeing a lot of that. And, you know, a, a lot of the things that, too, are, are changing the way uh, people can have perspective. Uh, you know, we're, we're building patient journeys now where um, you can go into and you can experience what it's like to be a patient. This is impossible before. Like, we just did something uh, years back, about four years ago, for the Retinal Society, where we were doing it for the world's leading ophthalmologists and eye surgeons, where we built a simulation of what it was like to have macular degeneration. Well, they never really had this perspective before. Yeah, they saw videos or descriptions from the patient. Well, we built an entire simulation around that. And the doctors would take it off and they were just blown away. Like, well, I didn't even know that. And what we did is we put them through, um, you know, remedial tasks or, or things that tasks that we take for granted, like driving a car, making your family dinner, uh, you know, finding your correct program on the TV show. And we've done countless amounts. We've done a whole bunch of stories of things around rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on of uh, people suffering from, you know, oncology or, you know, cancer. And uh, it, it's been really great to build that perspective, which, you know, in any other modality w would be unobtainable. And then the other big thing that we're doing now is there's also a side of the business where we're promoting brands. You know, you're, you're essentially educating the customer on your product. And that there's a wide range of that. We're doing everything in technology, hardware, to medical device, to pharmaceuticals. And we build an entire brand experience where they go in uh, and, and you're inside a virtual world. You're inside this virtual experience. We're also doing it in AR where you can scan your room with your phone and it will put up these augmented walls and, and turns it into an entire experience like, like a museum or an innovation center that you can travel around without, without ever even <laughs> taking off your pajamas or, 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 or leaving your house. So, <laughs> That has been a real game changer for brands. And just recently, you'll see, I don't know if you read that Walmart just recently launched uh, a, a complete brand experience inside of Roblox, which is just a game changer. So, you know, everybody keeps talking about, oh, the, the metaverse is dying. You're just not looking in the right place. Roblox right. is doing an amazing job as, as, as really the, 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 the innovators of the metaverse. And they're, they're the first pioneers to really start that. <laughs> Well, it looks like the the XR world is really kind of the wild, wild west right now. It's just like it was with when the Internet came around. Yeah, there's going to be ones that aren't going to make it realistically. But like you mentioned, it's really looking at the right place for it. And even going back to what you mentioned about training and how some people are averse to moving to that training uh, module or, or that training style. Really, when you look at it with all the traveling that's happening, um, that is required in the standardized version of doing training. And especially now, everyone's trying to go green. We're trying to be concerned about our greenhouse gases that we're putting out. Right. It really is not nearly as expensive as people think that it is. Like we mentioned, the Oculus is three, $400 realistically. That's There's less than one way for that uh, plane trip, just for that one trainer to maybe train, what, 15, 20 people? We're now yes, going to have that trainer be in one specific location, touch anybody in the world, let alone just in the continental U.S. 
So it saves yeah. money, it saves time, it saves the environment. And it's it's a better retention rate on top of that, yeah. too. So and, it's a win-win-win-win. And, win, and it's simply more enjoyable. I mean, you can build... You can be there as a trainer and walking people through the human body and doing all these different things that just are simply impossible in the real world. Um, and, and people are just starting to see that light. And it's really a beautiful thing. And, you know, that's one of the things, too, is you, you mentioned that the hardware could be coming and going. And, you know, what we're designing is agnostic to any hardware. I, I'm never a believer or investor. It's just not my business of investing in the actual hardware because it comes and goes. It's a whole different game. But what we do is we are designers of a learning experience. So we're completely agnostic to any type of technology because I've been in this technology game too long to know it just comes and goes. But at the end of the day, if you know how to build the correct curriculum, the correct brand experience, the technology is just a vehicle for that. Absolutely. Now, William, I got to have a little fun with you because I always like to ask all the leaders in this XR space a couple of questions just just to get what your opinion is on it, right? So the first one I have for you is if there's one piece of technology that you could get rid of, obliterate from this planet, what would it be and why? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a tough question. I mean, it, it, I have mixed feelings about it. You know, I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it because it's big and it is coming like a tsunami. And that's artificial intelligence. I don't want to get rid of it, but... As everybody knows, I mean, I'm hard-pressed to find any occupation in the world that AI eventually can't replace. That's scary. Uh, that's I mean, scary. That, that's terrifying. You know, I mean, there's every job. I mean, except for what? I used to think, you know, except for what? If you're if you're writing the algorithms or you're, you're actually engineering the robots, you're safe. No, you're not. Because eventually no. they'll have algorithms writing algorithms and robots building robots. Right. You know, and, and that's a scary thought. And... You know, that's the one thing, I, if there was a way to pump the brakes on it a little bit, I don't know, because I think it's not going to impact me because we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be moving with the flow, but I think it's going to impact a lot of people around the world. And then what do you do then? Is it socialized income? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's a big picture. It's a much bigger interview that you could interview me on. But, you know, like even 10 years ago, I, I, thought, I thought, you know, just being an artist, being a creative, oh, well, AI can't recreate that stuff. You know, they'll AI never be able to, art. We've seen it. Yeah, they'll never be able to truly cre create creative original content. Well, that's not true anymore either. You know, no. I mean, just recently, just recently, uh, the, the, the for the first time, it was like a, a Colorado art competition. Uh, AI was awarded first place for a, a work of art. And oh the judges God. didn't know it was AI. And they were like, oh, well, now it's this big controversy. Should we take it back? Blah, 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 blah. But it was absolutely stunning and out of this world and beautiful, uh, you know. So, you know, and that, that's one of the other things, too, is, you know, that the, the, the natural progression is just the natural evolution of technology. And it is a big step. I think AI is a huge leap. You know, if you just go back a couple hundred years ago, I mean, the illustrators were threatened by the camera. You know, there's no need for illustrators. You can just use a camera. The typographers, they used to hand do type. Well, they, they hated the Macintosh because Mac was the first one where it had typography that you could do on a the computer. Then the stop motion animators were terrified when the release of Jurassic Park came out. You know, that completely rendered stop motion animation um, as an niche. And then, of course, the World Wide Web came along and, and, and crushed the printing industry. 
Right. You know, and maybe this is just, you know, that natural evolution of survival of the fittest and it's supposed to happen. I don't know. Uh, but the, the, the more and more powerful it's going to get, you have to adapt. You can't ignore it. Um, but then on the positive side, on the positive side, you know, AI has some really great humankind benefits. I mean, I think it could benefit, you know, and help provide disabled patients uh, in countless ways to help help them uh, provide safer conditions for firefighters, uh, reduce crime, support our military. And in many ways, as you said earlier about, you know, it's going to help with climate change and, and environmental issues that it could be monitoring, checking. And, uh, you know, it's it's. There's a lot in the next, and it might not happen in my lifetime, but I've got kids. I've got two young boys that, you know, that where do you point them? What direction? You know, what go into this field, go into that field. I can think of almost all of them, how AI is going to drastically impact them. 100%. So so I I kind of went all over with your your question there, but I don't know if I want to remove AI or I want to keep it, but it's it's a threatening. (laughs) Right. but anyway, I think the, the other part of that, too, is if AI takes over all of those jobs and like we were talking about, maybe like a universal uh, some sort of where everyone has a certain amount of money, you don't really have to work. But then you have to have a reason to live. Right. Um, I know everyone says you don't you don't live to work. You work to live. Right. But right. if you don't have a career, you don't really have anything to do or to experience outside of just day to day stuff. And I don't know if our society's quite ready for that yet either, William. But I mean, it's. I, I don't know either. I, I I don't know either. I just, if you name an occupation, I could tell you how AI or a robot's going to replace it. <laughs> and it's terrifying, and it, it might not happen in my lifetime, but it's coming. It's coming. Completely agree. Well, let's flip that then. Okay, so I asked you what you don't want to have. What's one piece of technology that you just flat out can't live without, and why is yeah. that? Well, I've got two, and I'll just talk about the obvious one. Is is the phone? You know, I mean, it, it's. It's everybody would probably agree with me. It's just amazing how powerful this tool is. I mean, it's got all your personal life, your professional life, every tool that people are using. It's absolutely one of the most incredible technologies probably ever. You know, I mean, it's just so powerful because there's so many different pieces of technology in it. You know, I I would have to say I, I couldn't live without that. But the second piece is really dear to my heart. And uh, that's, uh, you know, my most prized possession are my cameras for my, my personal use and my photography. And I have way too many of them. I've got a crazy <laughs> amount of cameras. My wife thinks I might have a problem. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and I, I'll show up. I'll show up to my boys' events. They're, they're big into sports. And, you know, I show up with a whole crew. I've got this big camera. Lens is out to here. I got mid-range cameras. I've got a whole video I shoot with a mic and a monitor on top of it. It looks like I'm shooting a royal wedding. Um, <laughs> but I, I just love it, you know. And my father was an avid photographer. Uh, I met my wife uh, in a photography class 20 years ago. And uh, the camera, you know, the camera's been good to me. And it's really important. One of the most powerful things for me is, you know, capturing time. Time is, you know, the most valuable thing we can do. And, you know, it, 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 it lives on for eternity. It can teach. It's, it's a very powerful thing when you can capture the most valuable thing there is, and that's time. Uh, you know, and, and, and the, the beautiful thing about that is I think that's the one thing AI can never replace, is capturing those live moments of, of uh, you know, of, of your real life. 
absolutely the truth. I didn't even really ever put it that way, uh, that AI can't capture time or capture moments or create memories for yeah. you. It's probably yeah. one of the few things that can't do that. Uh, right. William, that's really the questions that I have for you. I got to tell you, like, it's been a great conversation with you. Um, thanks for sharing your insights, telling us a little bit more about Tipping Point Media, especially your, you know, your own experiences as well, because they're unique to you. But another thing that AI can't do is can't make your own unique <laughs> experiences, right? Um, yeah, but so, AI might, yeah, AI might short circuit trying to recreate me, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic. All right. Well, um, for everybody listening at home, thanks for joining us. Thanks for, uh, William, thanks again for being on the show. It was great talking to you. Um, For folks listening at home, you can find out more about Tipping Point Media at www.tipmedia.com. I also want to thank Kincannon XR for sponsoring our podcast. You can find them on social media at Kincannon XR. And you can find out more about this podcast on socials at ETIB Podcast. Don't forget to like, comment, and most of all, subscribe to our podcast. Share it with a friend. I've been your host, Brock Writing. We're going to talk some more emerging tech next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks, guys.